and welcome back after a three-day break from the Noodleberg Daily Huddle. Excited to be back for a Tuesday. Hope you got your week started the right way, even if you were off yesterday. And we are working across all of the channels, so uh, way to yeah. go, Shay. Whatever you did or did not do, it's working, and that's all that matters, man. So we're here. We're alive. We're ready. Hopefully everybody had a nice day yesterday. Boy, the country is getting walloped with some weather. Yeah, I mean, we're it's 3,000 degrees down here again. It feels like Dude, it's minus 11 in Dallas. <laughs> I know. Minus 11, it's like what well, you look at the map and you go, what's going on? Like, I had a lot of former coaching buddies seeing my story from us spending the weekend at the Ritz and uh, being like, Dude, you can't make it any worse for us right now. <laughs> it's Watch really unbelievable. We're getting pounded with Listen, snow, yeah. Our man, uh, Brendan Neef, uh, we were supposed to have our coaching call yesterday, and he sent us a note early on. He goes, dude, I'm in Houston. It's freezing. We got no power rolling, you know, power outages and stuff. So it is, you know, my heart goes out to everybody who is just not used to that kind of weather, man. It's crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. That polar vortex is, and like I was watching the uh, the news this weekend, and they were forecasting the week's weather, and they were like, "We're gonna get a cold front on Friday and Saturday," and it's like seventy nine degrees. Is a cold front <laughs> here, right? Like, watch out! Severe yeah. weather, severe. <laughs> so, it's very severe. It's, like, oh my uh, god! Like, make sure you have enough sunscreen. <laughs> but uh, we are we are back to the routine. We're back to our show this morning. Excited. Got a lot of good content. Going to talk about some some birthdays that are happening. Going to break down the Jesse Itzler. Tell me something good and pull out the nuggets from there. But before we get to that, Shay, wake us up. So before we get going, a couple of things. Number one is I finally gave in and went to the doctor. So uh, I'm sick for sure. <laughs> <laughs> There's no doubt. right? So I have a severe bronchial infection and I am taking all kinds of modern medicine to get me better. So uh, there was no bullshit. Thank you, boys, for pushing me to do that, you know, acting like an adult. So it is kind of cool. That's number one. Number two is. Big congratulations and shout out to Joe First, who got promoted to senior vice president at Hotwire. Congratulations, brother. Congratulations, Joe. That's awesome. Super excited for you and uh, happy for all the things you have going on in the future ahead, which is super cool. And I love all the comments coming in. Like, uh, you know, Marcy Scheinbaum's like, good morning. That's not fair. We've got 10 inches. Ryan Coleman coming from Kansas City, where it is a chilly minus 29 degrees with the wind chill so no thank I mean, you that's all i people, can tell you people so are not supposed you. to live in that weather man you know it's just I actually I, I did see something funny though is that like um 
just take a whole bunch of people from California, move them to Texas, and you have rolling blackouts. That's really good. So uh, for those of you that are experiencing it, it's great social media content. I've seen a ton of people putting their dogs in the snow and all different kinds of good stuff. So really, really great. And yes, Joe, absolutely. We're looking forward to getting on the ball with you and your entire team. That's awesome stuff. So what's happening today? There's a couple really cool birthdays that I want to talk about, but the one that we're going to start with is it is John McEnroe's 62nd birthday, I think it is. He's a good um, contemporary of mine. Yep, absolutely. A 62nd birthday, and I thought no more appropriate way to celebrate than to give us the best of John McEnroe. So, Shay, show us both videos right in a row. I love it. Now, now show me the most famous one of all time, Jay. The, the short, are you one. serious? Are you those serious? You, for those of you who can't see it, for those of you that are only listening, the shorts, the hair, and the headband are just a throwback in itself. The high white socks with the Nikes. I mean, the, the whole the whole swag of him. But I think it's super interesting because as a former football coach working with a lot of working with a lot of head coaches, there would be a lot of head coaches who would constantly lose their composure during games, right? Lose their mind on officials. And it was, in my opinion, it was a massive distraction. It was something that took away from the focus of what we needed to do. You see Nick Saban do it every once in a while on the sideline, but not a lot, not obviously like John McEnroe did. And I found an interview with him that had his perspective looking back on it. Shay, show me John McEnroe's perspective. Different way. So I became what I, what I would say was sort of like a cigarette smoker that couldn't kick the habit. You know, I, di I didn't want to be doing it anymore. I'm not saying it was necessarily wrong. It just, I didn't, I just felt like I was doing it for the wrong reason. That's all. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of cigarette smokers. They wish they quit, but they couldn't. And they're like, why am I doing this? And they'd be like, good question. And so that sort of felt like that way. Cause I could have had, the time could have been spent better some, some other way. So, yeah, go ahead. The, the, certainly maturity allows you the opportunity to look back at your behavior and say, all right, what, what was the real foundation of why I was doing it? What was I, I was looking for a rise. I was looking for attention. You know, I happen to love John McEnroe. I thought he was an amazing competitor. I love the way he has grown and basically tongue He's so tongue in cheek about who he is and what he is. He's done some 
amazing Heineken commercials and stuff. So uh, happy birthday to him. And he did a cameo in what movie? Um, I don't Adam, know. Adam Sandler movie. I don't know. What do you got, Shay? Mr. Deeds. Mr. Deeds. He does a cameo. Did he Mr. really? Deeds. Yeah, which oh, is a nice little for That's you. a good show. That's a great flick. I mean, Mr. Deeds goes down. And, you know. So some takeaways from that is the fact that he was able to look back and evaluate his own behavior and notice that that could have been time time spent somewhere else and, and been more efficient with that. And using anger to, we, we, we've talked about this a couple times, you can use it to motivate you. You can use it in a way that drives creativity, that drives adversity. And we're going to talk about some of that with uh, with Jesse Itzler's takeaways. But I think it's super important for to re realize that if you're a le person that's a leader or you're a person that's that's going through their day-to-day -day and you're allowing your emotions to hijack you, you are losing efficiency and you're losing production in that time. Well, when you bring up anger and um, sort of how it makes you appear and whatever, you got to talk about Bobby Knight. You know, Bobby Knight was one of Another those one. coaches that you looked at, you watched the histrionics throwing chairs and, you know, yep. when you got inside the underbelly of it, it was really not pretty because it was so, not just isolated stuff. You know, the story it about the it was actually sad, you know, like yeah. uh, the, the mistreatment of kids. And so, uh, you know, really very interesting stuff because so anger, anger is a driver. There's no doubt about it. Like, show me somebody who's okay with losing and I'll show yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. It, <laughs> it can drive your competitive nature. It can drive your competitive nature. It can push you through adversity. You can use it as fuel as long as you understand how to channel it, harness it, understand it. And then and then digest it and be able to process it as opposed to doing the opposite, which is allowing it to hijack you out of your execution, out of your your, your process thinking and being able to, to do what you need to do. So the last one of, one of the things, one of the things about leadership, though, just to, you know, is that, you know, if people can't count on your behavior, if you're totally flying off the handle at times, you lose people that way. So uh, exactly. You know, good right. point. A uh, new name. I haven't seen Karina Buenrostro. Welcome yeah. to the welcome to the show. I haven't seen your name. Uh, Scott McGregor, always welcome back. It looks like you've taken the habit and we got you, brother, man. Welcome. Uh, welcome to the show every day, man. Good to see you. So the last birthday I want to celebrate today is LeVar Burton. And while most of you know LeVar Burton as an actor, this is how I know LeVar Burton. Thank you, D. Robinson, Reading Rainbow. Thank you, Michelle Morrison. So for those of you who don't know, Reading Rainbow was a staple for my generation growing up. And it was an unbelievable show that dove into a particular book. But with that book, they would do videos and they would take a reading field trip to the place where that book was set. They teach you history behind what was happening and it made reading fun. 
it created a passion for reading. And then in 2009, they cut Reading Rainbow off of, of PBS. They took cut the funding for it and took it away. And LeVar Burton was not going to let that deter him. Show me LeVar Burton keeping Reading Rainbow alive and being an entrepreneur. But when that happened, when, when it was announced that Reading Rainbow was going off the official airwaves of PBS, there was, from that first generation of, of, of adults now who grew up watching the show, they were like, no, 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 what do you mean? Reading Rainbow is going away. It's not going to be there for my kids. And my business partner, Mark Wolf, and I, we looked at that and said, well, obviously the brand has not outlived its usefulness. There's, there's legs in this yet, but what do we do? Do we want to take it back to TV? No. So we knew we wanted to go in the direction of new media and, and, and technology. And that began a real learning process that, that goes on to this day where we really had to learn the business of starting a technology business and figure our way through. So what's, what's interesting is that there is no reading rainbow unless there's Sesame Street. I mean, that was a, you know, and if you remember, uh, conjunction, junction, what's your function? <laughs> I do remember that. Picking up words. I do it. I do. So for those of you who want to give your kids reading rainbow still, the Skybrary app is phenomenal. It is the exact same uh, theme and idea of reading rainbow put into an app where you're able to shuttle from island to island through the air and they're themed with kids' books that they're able to go in, have the videos, have the reading field trips and all those kinds of things. So for everybody who's got kids, the Skybrary app, you can support LeVar Burton, you can support Reading Rainbow and you can keep that tradition alive for your kids. Good for you. I mean, that is, uh, that is really giving back and letting people know that this is how you make impression on young minds. It's really great, fantastic. Now, now it is officially time to party because the last event of the day is that it is Fat Tuesday. So here is some brass to wake your ass up. Bloody Marys, I'm ready for hurricanes, I'm ready for oysters, and I'm ready for a lot of brass going on right now. <laughs> that was awesome, man. I mean, that is that could rival a little Teddy to wake us up every day. That's great, man. So to think a year ago, Mardi Gras still went off, and Mardi Gras was another one of those first moments where it was like, oh shit, this this thing is real because it started yeah. to fly through New Orleans. So to think we're a year away from that, I'm sure. Uh, you know, Mardi Gras won't go off as it as it's usually scheduled to. 
but no, find as, a way as to as a matter of fact, own. as a matter of fact, the stories are is that they are not doing the parade. They're having rolling houses, and each of the houses is decorating something. And so uh, there's always innovation. There's always a way. Tony Cappuccini, definitely the king cake. And you got to find yourself the baby in the king cake. So some phenomenal <laughs> traditions with New Orleans and, and Fat Tuesday and all that kind of stuff. And I, when I was at Florida State, uh, we had a few guys who had come from New Orleans and would bring in a king cake and put it in the staff room and everybody would be eating pieces of it. Super cool stuff. So, um, all right, that's enough fun and, and games. I want to talk about Jesse Itzler because the tell me something good was absolutely phenomenal. And the nuggets that he dropped, yeah, well done. And well done to Jesse because I shot him a note yesterday and was just like, dude, here's just some of the things I took away from that 30 minutes. And it was so packed with great nuggets. But for those of you who really don't know who Jesse Itzler is, he started as a white Jewish rapper coming out of Long Island um, and, and had a song called Shake It Like a White Girl, which took him to pop, really, you know, made him popular. And then he wrote the song for the New York Knicks, Go New York Go. Shay, play me Go New York Go. was a great team boy Woo. great team great song here's a little lesson for you about that song because that's what really made him popular and then he ended up writing a bunch of songs around the <laughs> nba that song cost him forty eight hundred dollars to make do you know how much the knicks paid him for that song four thousand dollars so he <laughs> lost eight hundred dollars to do business with the knicks but that one opportunity turned into a ton of opportunity, which led him down the rest of his career. You have to be willing to lose to win. And he did that. And then it's an ultimate lesson that I heard him share on, on, on another video that he posted on Instagram, which I think is a great way to kick it off. So, so you call it, you have to be able to lose. I call it, you need to be able to understand what a good investment is. And so sure. investing in yourself at that point the difference in that money obviously paid dividends. So great job. So from there, you know, he became an entrepreneur, Marquee Jets, which sold to Berkshire Hathaway, uh, Zyko Coconut Water, which is, is a huge coconut water brand. And then he wrote Living with a Seal. So, and for those of you who haven't read that book, David Goggins is another great person to follow. Great book. But, I, you know, I, we're, I, we're definitely going to get to some overtime here today because I want to start. But I think the one first nugget that I want to start with from that take, from the interview, is the power of social media. Because he is a guy who is fanatical about his time. 
and where he chooses to spend it and how he chooses to spend it. And we're gonna talk about that. And he said the reason he did the show is because he saw the daily huddle and our interaction as a father-son duo said, I have to do that guy's show. I have to meet him, I have to talk to him. So when we talk about social media and the power of it and the opportunity that can come from it by giving people connectivity points, it's unbelievable. That was the thing that drove him to do Tell Me Something Good, which ended up being a phenomenal interview. Well, I think you know one of the takeaways is you never know who's watching. And so one of the things we talk about is don't get caught up in numbers and views and likes and all that crap. You just yep. don't know who's watching. You don't know where it lands. And the discipline and consistency to keep doing something in spite of somebody blowing smoke up your ass is really hard. You know, everybody's looking for that instant gratification. It's, oh, pat on the back. Great job, man. Oh, look at this. Everybody loves you. Big fucking deal. You know, yep. just put it out there and you see what happens. Incredible, you know. So the next thing that, you know, the, the, I kind of broke him up, but this one is the family lessons that he learned from his parents. And he talked about how blessed he was to be with parents that have stayed together and have raised him. But he said the two things that they, that they really gave to him that were a difference maker for him was the power of boredom and how his mom would bring him to these meetings with nothing but a box of crayons and paper that led him to visualization. He had no... He had nothing, no, nothing other to do than sit there with these crayons and paper. And he had to think about what he wanted to draw. And so he would ask questions of what if, what if I became an NBA player? What if I was an astronaut? What if I was this? What if I was that? And he would use those thoughts to then become visions. And that taught him how to visualize the things he wanted to see, which allowed him to build a plan in order to get there. And then the other thing, which I thought was phenomenal, was the power of disappointment. Because for those of you that are talking about the book, uh, Living with a Seal, he talked about his parents never robbed him of disappointment. They allowed him to feel that. And what that did for him was it built resilience and grit to overcome adversity. And he shares the story of 11 publishers passing on that book. And had he not, had he not learned how to deal with disappointment, because every single time that's disappointing. You get engaged with somebody, you start talking to somebody, you think it's an opportunity and the opportunity goes away and you get no, that's disappointment and that's part of life. And because he was prepared to deal with that, he was able to get that book published on the Well, he, he talks about- And we'll go to overtime. OT, baby, OT. So he talks about it from a very young age. And we've talked about this before. Not everybody's going to get a trophy. Not everybody makes the team. And understanding those disappointments early in life, you know, I never sugarcoated it for you or Jake, man. It was, yeah. it is what it is. And that's what you got to deal with. I just didn't know any better. You know, yep. I saw, you know, as, as you started to grow up and Jake started to grow up, parents were starting to do all of this stuff about, you know, when I was coaching and they were like, Hey, you know, you, you have to put my kid in. I go, no, I don't, you know, so, <laughs> you know, but you know, and I was always sensitive to that, but I, I really thought it was a great point about understanding how to, you know, deal with self-disappointment, you know, like, okay, wow, I didn't get it. So I love that.
And, and I think probably the most, there, there's three that I pulled, but I think, you know, good advice, the first thing being the most important tool that we have to be successful <coughs> is our calendar. And we talk about time management. We teach an entire module about time management. We break it up into all the different aspects to make you successful. But he says it, and he says the quote, which we use all the time, if you don't schedule it, it never gets done. Never. And the way and the way he chooses to go about scheduling things is he asks himself, he go, he asks, who do I want to spend my time with and what do I want to spend my time doing? Those are the two things that drive what go on his calendar first, because he says, if you don't take control of putting things on your calendar, routine then ends up dominating it. And we all get into routines and routines are great. I think, you know, every successful performer has routines, but if you don't define the routine, eventually the routine defines you and you find yourself with no time and, and out of control over what's happening. So he, he says, the quote is, the things you love to do with the people you love to do them with, I've just, well, I fell out of my chair on that one. Yeah, well, he says, you know, people are constantly grabbing at your time, having them do what they wanna do, not what you wanna do. And people's calendars are, are filled with stuff like that. And so he tells the story about how to say no, hey, you know, a bunch of us are getting together for dinner Thursday night, you know, da, 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 you know. And he says, no, I can't make it, you know. And, it, you know, he physically wasn't there, but he knew the restaurant. He wound up sending them a bottle of wine, picking up the check or doing whatever. So he was there without physically being there. Better impact, the, better, you know, so incredible. He, he calls it the art of saying no with two, two fine points in the art of saying no. Number one, no is enough. You don't have to make up a reason to say no. You can just tell people, I just can't do it. It doesn't matter why you can't do it. It's your, it's, it's, it's no is enough. And then the second thing being, you have to find the opportunity in saying no, which if you're saying no to an event, finding a way to over deliver, to send a bottle of wine, to send a note, to send a card, to send a video in today's world, finding a way to still deliver, even though you're not there and you said no to the, the art of saying no, no is enough. And, and, the, and, you know, and, um, and finding the opportunity in it. I think the last thing I wanna talk about is, he says, business isn't hard. He goes, if, if you wanna be good at business, spend your time on things that make money. And we've built, you know, you've built the RPOs, right? Revenue producing opportunities. And we've built the DMOs and what those things look like and what people should be doing. But I think people lose track of that. You get so caught up in the doing of tasks that you're not looking at, am I doing things that represent revenue? Am I doing things that make money? Yeah, McGregor kills it. Um, they're really close. Scott has traveled with Jesse, has gone on lots of these, you know, excursions where they climb mountains and do stuff and purely authentic. God, if I, when I die, I want that on my epitaph. I want them to say just the real deal. He is what he said he was. And, and with Jesse, you got the real deal. It was a honor, a treat. A pleasure to interview him for Tell Me Something Good. If you didn't get it, Shay will post the, the link here so that you could see it in its reality. And you just see the guy is the real deal, man. And the and last thing doesn't that, have yeah, to be. The last thing that he says makes him successful is he gets people to root for him. And he says the way to get people to root for you are the three C's, which you had talked about the other day, but it's compliment, congratulate, and console. 
He says, if there's somebody in your network that's hurting and you don't reach out to them during that time, they will remember it forever. And so he says he constantly is looking for opportunities to reach out to somebody, to compliment them. Hey, unbelievable show that you're doing with your son. Loved what you posted, loved what you did. Congratulating them on the things that they're doing and consoling. He's always looking for reasons to genuinely interact with people in his network using the three C's. You do that, the success is, is guaranteed. So yes, awesome well done, Ooh. dad. Well done with the tell me something good. So glad that I got to listen to that and break it down and pull all those nuggets out. And uh, for those of you that are not ready, get yourself ready to be on the ball today. Have a great day. Get up, 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 get up,